0: Hi, you're listening to another sermon from Deep Creek Anglican Church. Uh, Look, I'm so encouraged to be back at Deep Creek. It's great to uh, reacquaint myself with people who have been so supportive in the past and so encouraged when I hear about the extent to which Deep Creek is uh, seeking to be uh, welcoming and caring people from a different cultural background. Just uh, warms the cockles of my heart. And I wonder how that's been for you. As you think about what's good and perhaps what's challenging about that, I wonder what it's been like for you, how you've been stretched and how it's grown you as individuals and as a household and as a community. And I wonder what, as we think about cultural complexity and cultural diversity, the challenges it's raised for you. Perhaps challenges around language, how to build connections with people and relationships when you don't speak their language, like Farsi. Perhaps challenges around time. Of course, being busy seems the norm, doesn't it, in our hyper-individualized culture. In many ways, it's easier to give a blanket or some other practical expression rather than actually giving the harder thing, which is time. Uh, Perhaps it's challenges around not being in control. Allowing yourself to be stretched and being placed in situations where you're put outside your comfort zone. And perhaps it's challenges around not just giving but also receiving. How to take the position of a learner which is about honouring others with the opportunities to serve or teach you, or have them serve and teach me. Now, of course, our welcome and care for others is fundamentally based on the welcome and care we experience and receive in the Lord Jesus. Now, I've been asked to speak about curiosity today. And I'm conscious it's in a context where you've been thinking about evangelism in all kinds of ways. And of course, I could speak about an evangelistic message or things like that, but I've actually been asked to take us back to something that on one level is so fundamental, but it actually is the building block if we're going to start, start to think about being more effective in our outreach and our evangelism to people who are from cultural different backgrounds, Okay, so today I want to speak about seeing and loving others. Seeing and loving others. Okay, I want to make three points. I want us to understand that we've been seen and loved by the Lord Jesus. Secondly, what does it mean to see and love others? And third and finally, how do we grow in seeing and loving others? Firstly, seen and loved by Jesus. We all know that as people who love the Lord and love the Bible, that culture is an incredible gift from God, isn't it? There's so much that's good about it, but we also know, as we acquaint ourselves with the story, we also know that actually culture is being tainted by God. That is, relationships at all levels are broken And as much as there is so much that's good about culture, culture on all levels is also being broken and tainted. And so motivated by love, God embarks on an incredible rescue plan, restoring all things to himself. To put it another way, as the salvation plan unfolds from the Old Testament through to the New Testament. We see God working in particular cultural contexts and in and through real life people like you and me who lived in particular cultural contexts. Jesus' incarnation, remember John, and the Word became flesh, is the ultimate expression of God accommodating Himself to culture. That is, God became a human being in a particular cultural context, first century Palestine. And as Hebrews 2 tells us, Jesus entered into our humanity and within a real cultural context, to put in other words, uh, he experienced human frailty and human vulnerability. He had human needs, eating, drinking, feeling tired, and human emotions, love, joy, and sorrow, compassion and anger, fear and happiness. And so full of God's love, Jesus was able, not just from his divinity, but from his humanity to see the world in profoundly unique ways. In other words, he was the master of cultural connection. Stories and metaphors and images, all the while preserving what was distinct about the kingdom of God. Shepherds and water, bread and wine, gates, temples, fishing, being invited to a banquet, treasure in a field. Sowing seed, all familiar things for the people in his context, the people of his day, all things they were comfortable with, but he was able to engage with these metaphors and these images and stories that took people to another level. So, seen and loved by Jesus. Here's two examples of how he did that, how Jesus gets us to look out at other cultures, but also how we might look in at our own culture. Seen and loved by Jesus, looking out, story number one. Now, of course, we all know that first reading, don't we, um, that, that story that was told. A lawyer asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, what, is, what does it say? What does the law say? How do you read it? And he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with everything, and love your neighbor as self. And Jesus says, You're right, do that, and you'll be live and you will live. But he seeking to justify himself says, And who is my neighbour? And then Jesus tells a profoundly powerful story, doesn't he? Man beaten on a road. Now, of course, all his hearers understood that the lawyer And the priest were profoundly uncomfortable at touching and defiling themselves by actually addressing the practical needs of this person. But nonetheless, they would have been shocked that a despised Samaritan was the one who came to the aid of this Jewish man, carrying him to a local inn, meeting his practical needs, expressing care and compassion in all kinds of ways. This was his neighbour Because, of course, from the perspective of the listeners, the Samaritans were heretics. They were outsiders. They were objects to be despised. What's Jesus doing? He's confronting, isn't he, the lawyer's comfortable cultural complacency, reframing his understanding of neighbour, Challenging him to turn everything he knew on its head, to look out. But what he's specifically doing, if you think about it, is addressing the lawyer's ethnocentric tendencies. That is, ethnocentric in the sense that the lawyer could not see past his cultural context For whatever reason, he was unable to put on a different set of cultural lenses. Now, of course, it's the same problem for us. We all come from a cultural context. And to a greater or lesser degree, if we're honest, we all have ethnocentric bias or ethnocentric tendencies. And often we had them without even realising it. That is, we fail to look out into the world and see it and its people with God's eyes. Okay, seen and loved by Jesus, looking in, story number two. Now, we know that as we read the gospel genre that Jesus had already cultivated a reputation. Even as he ministered amongst his own people, he would hang out with prostitutes. Sinners, tax collectors, even though they were his people, people who nonetheless for various reasons were on the outer, even in their own culture. And yet Jesus had an incredible ability as he encouraged people to look in at their own context in different ways to reframe their situations where God's radical gospel of grace spoke in new and confronting and confounding ways. That's why I love uh, Luke chapter 19. I became a Christian reading Luke's gospel. But I still remember the first time I read uh, read about little Zacchaeus in chapter 19, a tax collector on the outer, rejected by people from his own culture because he was a collaborator with the Romans. And yet we read he wanted to see Jesus. And so he climbs a tree. But remember what the text said, Jesus notices. He notices Zacchaeus. He looks up and he says to him, let's have lunch. That was it, let's have lunch. And whilst people complained and grumbled that Jesus would engage with such a person, how does Zacchaeus respond? In those two or three words, let's have lunch. He's open, he's invited into the wonderful, the amazing world of God's grace just through a simple gesture of welcome. That my love and my grace is also for you, Zacchaeus. And remember his response? Half half my possessions I give to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone, I'll pay back fourfold. And remember what Jesus says? I tell you, salvation has come to this place. Friends, whether we, when we think about the problem of ethnocentrism, whether we're looking out or whether we're looking in, when we've seen and experienced the love of the Lord Jesus in our lives, the promise from Scripture is that he promises to give us all that we need to not just connect with God but to better connect with people, whoever they are, whatever their cultural background, whatever their context. So secondly, seeing and loving others, what is curiosity? In other words, the love of Jesus helps us to see and notice others. Uh, That's what curiosity is. It's what undergirds curiosity. What is it? It's to become a better noticer. because we all come from different backgrounds and different culturally complex situations, whether it's our families and our communities and our people groups. Uh, Let me tell you a story. Uh, A Malaysian Indian uh, tells the story of how his English wife uh, came to him and said, look, when we visit your Indian family, I wanna be culturally sensitive, so I'll eat with my hands. Now, five minutes into the meal, she leant across to him and whispered, how do you stop the curry running down your arm? And he looked at his hand and said, I don't know. Wasn't happy to him. Wasn't happy to anyone else at the table. But until she asked the question, he'd never thought about it. Do you see, culture is passed on without us even realising it. It's the air we breathe. It's the way things are done, including from a very young age, how you do stuff presumably with condiments and bread and curry in a way where you don't make a mess. And, of course, it is implicit, isn't it? When someone, because of my cultural background, asks me uh, and invites me for a meal, culturally, I will automatically, without even thinking, say, fantastic, what can I bring? Dessert? A drink? But if I'm invited by someone from another culture and I ask, what can I bring? What am I assuming? What statement am I making? And how might I be understood or misunderstood? You see, we treat people the way we think they should be treated. And we all have ideas about what it is. But what we want to do is treat people the way they want to be treated. As Christians, we want to love people in ways that help them feel loved and we want to help them in ways that help them feel respected. It's about seeking to understand things from the other person's point of view. How often as we think about our context, and I can certainly lay claim to this issue as an extrovert, is that I love chatting with people, and I love engaging with people, But I still find myself regularly in the midst of conversations being so excited about what's being said that I'll actually be, I'll stop listening and start to think about what I want to say when they stop talking. I think to a greater or lesser degree, we've all been there, haven't we? And at that point, I realize I'm not really present. And I'm not really listening. And I'm certainly not noticing and being curious. Cultivating curiosity is about trying to see the world through someone else's eyes. It's about walking in their shoes. So, thirdly, how do we grow in seeing and loving others? How do we grow in seeing and loving others? And how do we cultivate curiosity? Uh, When we were overseas, uh, working with CMS in Europe, one of the great privileges we had was holding in uh, Lausanne, and we also had them in Geneva international cafes, and of course, people would come to that amazing part of the world from all over the world, and each week, we would have these forums where people from other cultures could get together, and I remember there was a Swiss intern, a Swiss student, we'll call her Adele, wanted to get involved, and she wanted to join in, in terms of being a genuine welcomer for internationals. And we noticed that she spoke only with one student the first evening she was there. These went for about two and a half, three hours, these uh, cafes. And Claire suggested that the next week she should aim to speak to five international students. And Adele was shocked and said, but what if I'm not interested in any of them? Now, after Claire recovered from her surprise... And perhaps there was some cultural stuff informing where Adele was coming from. She had to sit down and have a practical chat with her about Jesus' love for other people. Growing your cultural awareness is not something that just happens by accident. Uh, It's it's something that uh, can be intentionally cultivated. Uh, Another story closer to home. um, We'll call him George. Was busy with family and work, but when the church asked him uh, to cook dinner for an English conversation group once a month, I'm not sure whether you have uh, English conversation groups here at Deep Creek. He thought, "Yeah, actually, that's something I could I, I could do." He said to himself, "I'm pretty good. I could cook a lasagna." Um, but at the end of the year, as he got involved, apart from now being able to cook lamb kofta and make great dumplings and all the other different types of cultural expressions. What he really treasured was in the investment in time with people from other cultures, um, especially being invited into their homes and then reciprocating by having them come into his home. Um, yes, he learnt some Farsi and some Turkish and some... Uh, Chinese, but it was all about the investment of growing his understanding and his awareness of where people were coming from, and that changed him. I don't know about you, lockdown wasn't easy for me because I'm an unabashed extrovert, yet the good thing that came out of it for me was as we all were forced to stay within a five-kilometre radius, um, and especially in our local area, with curfews and all of that, is that I got to walk up and down my street over a period of eight or nine months. I would probably became known as the, the guy who's quite happy to chat with anyone, no matter who they are. And I met Tan from Vietnam, uh, who grows chilies in his front yard. And I met Maria, who's was, gosh, must be into, well into her 80s, who was very sad as she kind of walked around with her walker Uh, because she needed that, that no one would stop and talk with her. And I met John, whose wife of 60 years had just passed away. And as I asked him to share about his wife, we both shed tears as he talked about just that incredible hole in his life now, what she'd meant to him over such a period of time for him to lose his best friend. But cultivating curiosity is a great starting point, isn't it? So, you know, whatever actually happens when people are there in front of you. Tatan, great chilies. Tell me about them. Where does that come from? And tell me a bit more about your own family background. All opportunities for connection. But, of course, we know, as M&K just shared, that we often get it wrong. And it is true, isn't it? I remember uh, Jill speaking about inviting an older Asian couple into her home, and it's true. She said, look, come in, make yourself at home. You know, no, no formalities here. Um, keep your shoes on, help yourself, sit wherever you like. And, of course, she couldn't help but notice that they were profoundly uncomfortable the whole evening. This older Asian couple. And the next day she spoke with a Chinese friend who gently explained that leaving your outside shoes on inside was considered quite dirty. In fact, I still remember chatting with some uh, uh, Chinese friends at a conference in England. And I said, look, what have you noticed about the English? What have you noticed about the culture? And they talked about the shoes, but they said... They, they carried their dirt to bed. They carried their dirt to bed. They were shocked. What they really meant was most of us shower in the morning, whereas in an Asian culture, you shower in the evening because you don't carry your dirt to bed. All that kind of stuff. And it's only as we understand it, we're curious about these things, as Jill took the opportunity to check out and reflect on what had happened that evening and alter her behaviour, she was much better equipped in how to handle hospitality in that space the next time she invited that couple over. So the point is, as Christians, we want to love people in a way that helps them to feel loved and respected, not on our terms and not staying within our own comfort zone. Now, I'm sure you've all got many stories that you could tell of how God has taken a spark of curiosity and used it to grow more curiosity. And of how, as he does that, he also changes our heart, shaping us more into the image of his son. How do we grow in seeing and loving others? How do we turn the desire to love others into action? Well, it does start with prayer. Lord... Give us your eyes and your ears and your heart for people to see and love the way Jesus saw and loved people. But we can also practice curiosity by being a better noticer. As you go about your day-to-day life, as you walk around your neighbourhood, as you think about your work interactions, as you think about uh, what's happening, who's there, What do you notice? What's being said? What are people interested in? What are their joys? What are their sorrows? What makes them grumpy? What makes them happy and sad? They're all opportunities because as people tell their story, we know that God's big story will connect in some way or other because that's the way it's designed. But the prior step is really understanding people's context and walking a mile in their shoes, and that takes curiosity. And, of course, the other thing we can do is invest in at least one cross-cultural relationship, just one, a cultural relationship that stretches you, that takes you out of your comfort zone, where you can learn to see the world through their eyes and where your curiosity and your understanding can grow. So can I encourage you to get to know someone from another culture and as we get involved in people's world and as they get involved in ours, they become curious, I find, about what motivates us and why we are different and why we do the things we do. And let's not forget as we learn from others and as we see and love others, Jesus keeps transforming us he keeps actually shaping and molding us in the midst of those situations let's pray lord you are the god of all people all tribes and all nations and if it if only it was so easy that there is one simple formula that we could give to every person but we know that's actually not the point that you love culture but it's broken so please give us a heart for people from other cultural backgrounds, whatever the, wherever they're from. Give us a curiosity to learn about people who are different to us. Give us the joy of discovering the culture of others. And by your spirit, open our eyes and ears to hear those around us so that we can build relationships of love and understanding as we seek to live as signposts for you in our community and for your glory. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.